Yeah, if, if you're a leader who's just adding something on, well, I'm supposed to be aware of my breath. I'm supposed to be conscious of my stance and position. What you're basically doing is you're adding more noise. You're adding more things to think about, which can distract you from being the best version of yourself and being your best leader. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire podcast is Chris Ferris Zabane. And Chris joins me from Toronto. Uh, so Chris, welcome to the Inspire podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I I, uh, I was thinking as we prepare for today, we we go way back. I think it was, has it been a decade or... It, I, I think it's been 10 years since a mutual friend uh, introduced us. Is that about right? It could very well be. It was a long time ago. Uh, I've been delivering various forms of trainings, both technical skills and soft skills, at engineering firms at which I worked. I'm a licensed professional mechanical engineer. And he put us in contact uh, about connecting. And I'm very glad that we were able to make that relationship come to fruition so many years later. Yeah, and I think... Uh, you know, if I think back now, it's coming back to me, Philippe, our friend, connected us that, you know, you have to yes. meet Chris. He is passionate about communication. He has the business background and he should come do work at the Humphrey Group. And we had, we, I remember we got together, I think it was about 10 years ago. And he said, wow. you know, there's kind of good news and bad news. The good news is I love what you, you do. I really want to be part of it. The bad news is I'm about to leave for a, a long-term <laughs> reach. I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong. A long-term <laughs> meditation retreat in Thailand, and uh, I, I, so yeah. it won't be now. <laughs> I, I think I think I even said something silly like, "I'm going to go be a hippie in Thailand for a couple of years, and then I'd be happy to chat with you afterwards." Right, and you know, I thought to myself, "All right, I'm never going to see or talk to this guy again." <laughs> you know, but lo and behold, you came back, you and you reached out, and we connected, and. You know, since then, you've, you've been doing a lot of work with our clients at the Humphrey Group. And, and I think the, um, the, it's such a fascinating journey you've taken from professional engineer to professional hippie, <laughs> to use yeah. your term, and um, your, your investment in mindfulness and, and authenticity, because in some ways you were ahead of the curve. And I think that's really, you know, when I look at what we're going to talk about today, which is really, you know, becoming an authentic communicator, an authentic leader, there's so much in what you've learned that I won't say it's coming to vogue, but people are more aware of now of how critical it is to touch on things like authenticity, mindfulness, and, uh, and other things. So really want to thank you for coming on board today uh, to the pod and sharing your journey and also some advice about mindfulness and how people can use it to lead. Excellent. So maybe start, start with your story and we'll get to lessons for people. Um, and I think, you know, maybe it was that trip where, you know, what prompted you to go leave behind engineering a very predictable path, perhaps, uh, and explore mindfulness and meditation? Certainly. It, it was a very predictable path. It was a safe path. I was a manager at a 
large engineering firm. I've worked and licensed in the States and in Canada, and everything seemed to be going just fine. Uh, but this is where it really came for me, this idea of, am I being authentic? Am I being authentic to me? And one thing I'll talk about throughout this podcast and for our listeners as well, is I'm going to try and mix this sort of this Eastern mindset of this authentic uh, self, this mindfulness, this awareness, and the science behind it, sort of the, because I am an engineer and I really do appreciate uh, the understanding of the physiological responses of what make things work. So with myself, I realized that uh, I wasn't being real or authentic to me and people mm. at work started to see it. I enjoyed being a manager. I enjoyed working with my clients, but the best part of my day was working with my team, helping them express themselves to our clients, to mm -hmm. each other, helping develop them as individuals, helping them be more real. It wasn't the engineering portion, even though I was able to do a lot of great work and had a lot of really wonderful projects uh, in Toronto and beyond. So something just kind of started creeping up slowly on me. Oh, I'm sorry, jump in. You said something interesting. You said, my team started noticing I wasn't being authentic. What were they telling you? They saw that I was kind of going through the motions with regards to my engineering work. Hmm. But the part that really made me happy and the parts that really made me real was working with them, was delivering trainings in my organization, hmm. how to do better technically and how to uh, speak to each other better. Because anyone who knows engineers knows that we're not always the greatest communicators, but we have a lot of knowledge and information. So my specialty was helping translate technical information to non-technical audiences in business and in the working world. So this is where I started to notice my own, what I call the authenticity gap. What you say and what you do versus who you really are and how you really feel. And we know when we're being inauthentic. And it's not a dirty thing to say. It's not like we're doing so out of malice. It's just we can tell, but more often than not, We'll kind of hide that. We'll put it to the side. We'll allow ourselves to remain inauthentic to get the job done. Some people will call this different faces we put on. Put on your game face. Go to work, put on your game face. We see so often how some of our colleagues are totally different creatures hmm. uh, with their families and socially than they are at work. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why do we allow this to continue? So when you reach this realization, you know, some people might have said, oh, I need go get a different job, move to professional training. I guess, <laughs> you, you know, you had Philippe connect us and we had a chat, but you didn't walk that path. You decided to go overseas, go to a retreat. So tell us about what the decision was and what drove it. For me, it was a personal one where at the time I felt lost, I figured I could continue on my path and everything could be just fine. But I tried that in the path and you start hmm. to feel something's not right. So what do you want to do? Well, maybe I need to, I don't know, change my hair or move <laughs> houses, or maybe I'm going to get a new fitness routine. And you think if I change something external to mm. myself, that'll fix things. That's mm -hmm. a temporary fix. So really what it was, was something inside saying, I need mm. to analyze who I am and who I want to be. And so I went uh, initially for uh, a month or two of this mm -hmm. very specific, very traditional yoga retreat. And it ended up snowballing into months and months and months hmm. and eventually years 
because my self-inquiry work wasn't done. Hmm. And, and, you know, I think speaking as someone who has done a very minimal amount of yoga, I mean, I've certainly uh, I've d- tried mindfulness. You know, I've certainly enjoyed working with, you know, therapists to go deeper and self-awareness and understand myself. Um, but I, I have not, uh, you know, invested the, te- the dedicated and focused time that you did. So what did you learn? Like, what were the big takeaways here? You can distill your months and for me and, and people listening. I can't I can't leave my three kids and wife and go to a yoga retreat, but I can talk to you. So um, how long did you spend over uh, overseas delving into this, this pra- kind of practice? I was in my yogic studies that f- first step of it for about two years off and on. And in between, I came back to Canada. I had a couple of engineering clients that stayed with me, which allowed me to continue to work. And in between my studies is actually when I started working with the Humphrey Group uh, in this transition. So I was doing so back and forth. So I had some time in between to really integrate Hmm. what I was uh, learning and doing. It's very difficult just to go away, change and come back. Because Hmm. when we try and do any sort of real change within ourselves, it's easy to change yourself. It's tough for other people to accept that change. Hmm. I like to to say, and finance folks love this, I like to say that you are the 200-day moving average of your actions. (laughs) Right. I like that. So So you need multiple days for people to see it. And and when you eventually, over that time when you were coming back, was there a moment where you said, all right, I've, I've got enough here. I'm ready to kind of embrace this new way? There was more like a moment where I said, I've had enough. I have to learn how to be the person I've become mm. before I push any further, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because you have to integrate. And this is something we are as humans, we are slow learners. Right. You have to give yourself time. A child, if they take a swing of a tennis racket and miss, we say, don't worry, you can do it. And they keep trying for years. They hit the ball, we go, good job, sweetie, keep at it. As adults, if we swing and we miss, what happens? We go, oops, well, I guess I'm terrible at tennis. I'm right. never doing that again. <laughs> right. right. So you really need you, you needed to get in there and actually start doing it and living, living this new self. And integrating and realize that you're the 200-day moving average. You're going to have good days, bad days. You're going to regress a little bit mm-hmm. to the older version of yourself you didn't like as much. Notice, never judge. Notice, never judge have this awareness, this cultivated awareness of the self, so that every time you do go back to making a, a small positive change, that's a win. You celebrate it, you build off of it, and over time, that 200-day moving average has shifted. You know, I, I know it's hard to distill some of the epiphanies that you had from that time, but for the sake of our format, what would be kind of some three big conclusions that you took away from your time working on the self? Certainly. The first one is, uh, is your mind full or are you being mindful? Hmm. What's the difference? Yeah, if, if you're a leader who's just adding something on, well, I'm supposed to be aware of my breath. I'm supposed to be hmm. conscious of my stance and position. What you're basically doing is you're adding more noise. You're adding hmm. more things to think about, which can distract you from being the best version of yourself and being your best leader. Second big thing I would say is it's always something deeper. So in business, in leadership, in leading your team, when people are having reactions that you Mm -hmm. 
may not like or you find are distractions or may not be in line with what you need people to do that day, chances are it's something deeper within hmm. themselves. You don't have to be their therapist and fix it, but by being more at calm and at peace with yourself through your own self-discovery practices, you can then help guide them to that point. I call it see calm, be calm. And hmm. I can talk about mirror neurons as well in a moment too. Hmm. Okay. And this last piece I would say is rituals, matter. In yogic practices, there are a large number of rituals to prepare your mind and your body for not just your yoga practice, but your meditations and your, your spiritual enlightenment. Performance mm -hmm. athletes have rituals to prepare their mind, mm -hmm. their body, and their emotions for the challenge in front of them. And so if you understand the rituals that can help prepare you every day to be the best version of yourself and to mm -hmm. be your best leader, you can really excel. Hmm. So, I mean, these, these are these are valuable. You know, and I just want to start with the first one. This mind: Are you mindful, or is your mind full? You know, because I think you know anyone who listens to podcasts. I'll speak for myself. Uh, is committed to improving their leadership. We're always inundated with tips, things to incorporate. You know, how to be a better leader, and it can feel like a lot. Um, at the same time, you know, I could say. Everything that you're talking about is just something that's going to fill up my mind, you know, that ritual is important. So help me reconcile that. How do I be, how do I think about being mindful, but not having a full mind? Well, this is the, this is a lifelong journey of yeah, many long, yogis and meditators, have, right? <laughs> right? It's, it's funny if, okay, if for those of you who have the luxury of taking 10 days out of your life, I would strongly recommend the Pashana meditation. It is an incredible, incredible system uh, that teaches you how to be very mindful and how to clear and focus your mind. And there's a great center, the Ontario Vipassana Center, just in Barrie. It's about an hour, hour and a half outside the city if you're in Toronto. And there are centers all over the world. For those of you who don't have 10 days, first <laughs> off, it's that's most people. Secondly, you have to start asking yourself, uh, be the scientist of your own mind. What is adding to my usefulness as a leader and as a person? And what is taking time away? What practices are costing me energy? And what practices are charging me up? If you feel that my morning isn't complete unless I read six articles in foreign policy magazine because I want to be smarter, but that drive to fill your mind is distracting you and removing the calm you need to mm -hmm. be the best leader that you can be, you're actually costing yourself and your team your energy and your attention. So what can you actually remove from your routine to help calm yourself? Hmm. So it's really about that self-reflection, awareness piece, not just doing things because you're told, but I like the way you said, is it charging you up? Is it giving you energy? If it is, keep doing it. If not, just no matter what people say they should be doing, just drop it. Yes. It's, it's funny because people keep saying, well, do yoga, it'll relax you. Here's my dirty secret, even after my years of study. I don't like doing asana. I don't like doing yoga. <laughs> you, sure you, want, you sure you want to admit this, Chris, on the, on the pod? <laughs> We're going to publish this to the world. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. I get bored doing them. I know they're helpful, but I've limited my yoga practice to maybe twice a week. What I do are the parts of the practice that 
benefit me and charge me. And for me, that's the breathing techniques, the pranayama. Mm -hmm. And I can discuss some very simple breathing techniques that anyone can do to help clear their mind in minutes, prepare themselves for presentations. You can even do them on conference calls without anyone noticing. Hmm. Uh, so those are the techniques that I do and I use to help move my energy, calm hmm. myself, and be the best leader and trainer I can be. Hmm. And I guess that also ties to your point around rituals, that it sounds like you, you kind of came away from that time with an understanding of the importance of ritual. Is that right? Yes. I used to think before that if you just did things, you would get the results. But that's not how it works. If hmm. you do things without intention, if you do things without focus, you are, you're not really getting it done. It's the equivalent of skimming an article versus mm -hmm. reading for comprehension. How many things do you do every day where you're just skimming the article? Mm -hmm. Not everyone has the luxury of eliminating everything from their life. But if you're doing something because you think you have to versus doing something because it legitimately adds to your ability to be the best version of yourself and the best leader you can be, then that's not helpful. So you went over there, you spent a lot of time, obviously, and, you know, kind of developed the self-awareness around why you hadn't perhaps been leading authentically, some of the barriers, stuff. And then you came back, you know, we got reconnected, you started to work with the Humphrey Group. Yes. And I know one of the things that clients have spoken about, so you really incorporated, as you said, in, when we started this fusion of business, you know, deep grounding in business. Uh, and passion for communication, and then, then this this uh, thinking that you'd learned around authenticity and mindfulness. You know, let's imagine you were coaching me. How are you encouraging, or would you encourage me to incorporate mindfulness into my leadership communication? The first thing I would do is start by doing an assessment of what you already do. So I would elicit the values that you have as a leader which is part of what we do in the Humphrey Group, talking about uh, conviction and vision. But I would also elicit the practices that you do to get yourself ready. For instance, you have a meeting coming up. Mm -hmm. How do you prepare for the meeting? Most people prepare the content. They mm -hmm. don't prepare the structure of how to present, which is was one of the great secret sauces at the Humphrey Group that we have. What I help people identify further is how do you prepare yourself, hmm. your mind, your body, your emotions, and your spirit. And even if you think that you're not an emotional person, guess what? Reason follows emotion 100% of the time. And hmm. so if we understand what triggers our emotions, what makes us happy, sad, grumpy, focused, thoughtful, curious, then we can recreate that the same way that athletes can create a focused mindset to prepare themselves mm -hmm. for a competition. So let, let's delve into this. This is interesting. So, okay, here I am. I'm preparing for a major town hall or a client presentation. You know, what would you have me do to kind of prepare myself emotionally in this way? Well, the first thing I do is I like to transpose. Everyone already has a series of things they do to get mm -hmm. themselves into a good place, their happy place, if you will. So I'll start by eliciting what that is and help transpose it over. So let's let's start with you, Bart. You want to be my guinea pig here? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's let's. Uh, I'll put myself in. What's something you love to do? Oh, I love to uh, think about ways to grow 
this business. I'm really passionate about, about that. Excellent. Do you, does this just come to mind or do you have dedicated focused time to this? I would say I do have time, you know, would I put it in my calendar specifically think about this? No, but there are a few people who I talk regularly with about this. Um, and then there's just unstructured time I have where this is often a, a topic that I, I think about. Great. So I'm going to use this, use, use what's already in front of me here. When you're going to have a conversation with someone about this, mm -hmm. what, what do you feel? What do you notice in your body? when you start to have this discussion with someone? You know, I, I get excited. You know, I can feel the energy. I can feel, you know, maybe a little bit the heart rate goes up because I'm, I'm kind of engaging all of my cognitive senses, senses and uh, processes. Um, so yeah, I think those are some of the things that come to mind. Great. Where do you feel that in your body? Uh, the heart, <laughs> definitely the heart. The heart. You know, it's almost like getting ready for a, I, I think, you know, I'm a cyclist getting ready for an yes. event. You know, your, your body prepares for the, uh, the excitement ahead. Yes. And but that's another great thing. Athletes or anyone who does any physical activities, dance, yoga, martial arts, singing, who have great uh, understanding and relationship with their body and with their breath. So you have this feeling in your chest. Now, this is a good feeling in your chest, I imagine. Is that yes, right? Yes, I'd say so, yeah. Okay. So already you have an association in your body that's telling you that you're in a good space and you're mm -hmm. feeling good. Mm -hmm. So then if you're about to go give a presentation to a thousand people, what you can do is kind of transpose that feeling and trick your body hmm. from going from one state to the other. So in this case, let's say you're, you're getting ready to uh, go on a, on, a, on a race. You're getting mm -hmm. ready to go out and really cycle for the day. You're, I'm guessing you're, you're getting your, uh, your snacks ready. You're getting your water ready. You're getting your clothing ready. You're checking the weather outside. You have those rituals, those routines to get yourself ready for that, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And then you're aware of that part of your chest that's beating faster and that sensation in your body. So what you can do is imagine those sensations, imagine preparing for that event, imagine that feeling as you are getting ready for this presentation in front of a group, hmm. for this pitch meeting to your uh, client, for this presentation to your bosses at work. So you almost trick your body, you're, you're kind of letting your body experience the positive preparation for something you're very excited about and comfortable with, but you do that in a in another situation, like where a presentation where you might normally be nervous. Is that what this transposing is? That's what this is. And it's different for everybody because everyone has a different lived experience mm -hmm. and a different somatic experience. That's the experience their body has when they experience uh, excitement or when they experience nervousness, when they experience calm. And then I help use a bunch of physiological tricks to regulate their nervous system. And this is where we get back to partly what we do with the Humphrey Group and partly a yogic technique, which is mm. one you're aware of. This is called the box breath. You're, you're aware mm -hmm. of this. Yeah, this is the up to, hold to, down to, hold to. That's right. It's equal parts breathing in and breathing out. 
The neat thing is this is actually a yogic technique called Samavriti Pranayama, the square pranayama. It's, uh, it, it basically translates to the breath that equalizes mental movements. Hmm. So prana in the, the yoga tradition is energy, it's life force, and it comes from the breath. The active pranayama are breathing exercises to calm and regulate your body. The other neat thing is, and I mentioned, I'd, I promised I'd talk about the physiological aspect, is when we control our breathing, we can activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the part of your body that helps you relax. It's often called the rest and digest part of your hmm. nervous system. So this would be for someone who, you, you know, we've often talked in the Humphrey group when we're preparing someone for a major opportunity that there are nerves. They, the sign, you know, the sign that, that you have an opportunity is that you feel nerves. It's just how you deal with it. And so I'm inferring from what you're saying is if you're experiencing the signs of stress, anxiety, heightened breathing, uh, all of those things that may, and you want to be able to deal with them and rise to the challenge authentically, this breath technique is really something that's going to help. Is that right? It is. And this is, this is one of them. There's one of many. And what I like to do is I like to have a lot of tools in my belt and find the right breathing technique that works for the individual client because we're all different. The box breath is a really good general version. I have an adapted version, which is, uh, it's basically a vishama vritti pranayama, an unequal fluctuation. Uh, I call it in regular parlance, double in, double out. And what it allows you to do is not only calm yourself even more than the box breath, but also helps stretch your lungs and your intercostal muscles in your ribs so that you can actually increase your lung capacity mm. over time. And this will calm you down more, and this will help you be a better athlete, mm. if that's what you're working on, and it guarantees to be a better leader. And so can I ask, can there, I ask you to run me through it quickly and people listening? Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm so, game. <laughs> the, the box breath is in equal parts one, 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 one. So it's equal part in, hold, out, hold. The double in, double out is in, hold, in more, hold, out naturally, hold, out expelled breath, hold. And I'm going to walk you through this. Okay, I'm ready. And anyone listening at home who wants to do this along, Great. If you're driving, please pull over. Anyone listening at home? <laughs> we don't, we uh, don't want any casualties from this podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> please do so safely. So you can sit comfortably with your feet a little, uh, a little uh, open, sitting tall. Imagine there's a string pulling the top of your head up. Gently, gently roll your shoulders back. If you're standing, stand with soft knees, soft hip, soft jaw, soft neck. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk you through it, Bart, and then we're going to do it together. So the first thing we're going to do is allow ourselves to breathe in from the diaphragm as much as is comfortable. If you notice your jaw or your neck tightening while you're breathing in, or if you notice a sound while you're breathing in, that that's means you're forcing it. So I want you to allow the breath to come in. It should be gentle, silent, loving breath then you hold that. Then here's the part that gets tougher. You're going to breathe in more and you're going to expand your ribs outwards, forwards and backwards and expand your, your belly as much as possible. If you're wearing Spanx or a tight belt, you may want to adjust yourself accordingly. 
and you're going to allow yourself to breathe in even more and you're going to feel this beautiful stretch while keeping soft jaw, soft neck. And you're going to hold. You're then going to release naturally, allow your body to expel air naturally. Then you're going to hold. And here's the last part of the double out. You're going to, using only your diaphragm, expel any remaining air, being aware not to add any additional tension to your neck, your jaw, or your face. And what you find is you're able to expel a bit more air and hold. So we'll do it. I'll walk you through the timing of it. You can do whatever timing works best for you as long as it's consistent. So let's do it together. You ready, Bart? I'm all set. Okay. So first, allow yourself to breathe in gently, silently, and lovingly from your abdomen. Two, three, four. Hold gently. Two, three, four. Breathe in more. Expand your ribs and your chest and your back. Three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Allow yourself to expel the air naturally. Two, three, four. Hold gently and lovingly. Three, four. Now expel from the diaphragm the remainder of the air out. Three, four, hold. Two, three, four. So what do you notice in your body right now, Bart? Wow, it was very relaxing. I, I was half asleep by the end. <laughs> that was just one, se- <laughs> well, two sequences because I did the other one. But yes. it's remarkable how it kind of lowers your, you know, your heart rate, your you just relax. It, it was challenging. I'll say it was challenging to do it, particularly you know the second round of in and the second round of out. But I really noticed that drop in intensity. And I can imagine if I was going in to give that presentation to a thousand people, you know, and of course you're you're in your head and you're you're feeling positive and negative stress. That that would be a great technique to apply to begin to lower that and then go from a place of calm. It's incredibly powerful. It activates your parasympathetic nervous system, so it calms you. Now, I want to pick up on something you noted, because there's part two of this exercise, which is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. You noted something most people experience, which is they get a bit sleepy. You almost Mm -hmm. feel a bit tired. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to feel the true state of your body in this moment. So we've used oxygen to clear out excess cortisol in our body and Mm -hmm. calm ourselves down. We're now calm. How do we bring back our presence and our energy and our awareness? And here's how. I'm going to walk you through. uh, This is a basic version of this exercise. It usually lasts Mm -hmm. five, ten minutes when I first teach it to clients. Mm -hmm. And I give them a custom version of it. So we'll do a simplified version here, which, again, you can do at home. And this brings back to this idea of energetic awareness. Because when we do asana in yoga, we're actually charging our bodies with energy to prepare for uh, pranayama and to prepare for uh, meditations to bring ourselves to this enlightened state. So for the leaders here who maybe aren't seeking enlightenment, but are seeking (laughs) connection with their audience, here's part two of the exercise. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to seem a bit weird. And for those of you home, notice as well. Don't judge, just notice. 
Bart, how big do you feel in your body right now compared to the level of your skin? Do you feel smaller than inside the level of your skin, at the level of your skin, or beyond the level of your skin? Be honest. Um, I would say I'm at, except in my chest where we were doing the breathing work, where I feel almost kind of I'm pushing the boundaries. Good. Very good awareness. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself to give yourself permission to expand your sense of self, your awareness, your energy, your presence. Expand it out in all directions to about an arm's length away, in all directions, including directly behind you in the space between your shoulder blades. Now, what do you notice about, what, what do you feel? What do you notice in your body? Um, I'm, I would say I notice, I'm just more aware of my body and the space and um, comfortable with, with it. You know, I hadn't really been thinking consciously about it or mindfully perhaps about it. Last part of this mini exercise. I'm gonna ask you to allow yourself to expand to fill all four corners of the room in all directions. If you're in a car, expand to fill the car. If you're in a, a hall of a thousand people, allow yourself to expand to fill every corner, every seat in that hall. Now, how do you feel? I would say I feel present. Yeah. What's your energy level like? <clears throat> it's good. It's definitely much higher than it was when we did the breathing where I was half asleep. Yeah. So that's the second part of this exercise. Hmm. We allow ourselves to use the breath to relax our parasympathetic nervous system, to mm -hmm. calm ourselves, to allow this internal sense of focus. Mm -hmm. Then we use this energetic expansion technique to allow ourselves to reconnect with the outside world, expand, increase our energy level. And what I find universally when I do a version of this with my clients is that you can have a five foot two tiny human hmm. who can then look and feel like a six foot four, hmm. 200 pound linebacker. Right. Right. And simply by doing this exercise, Hmm. Now, of well, course, we, again, I've always modified for the individual mm -hmm. because everyone's a bit different. But by expanding to this state, it allows us to be present, mindful, aware, energetic, focused, and calm. So that way, again, mirror neurons, see calm, be calm. When people see us calm, then they're calm in return. Well, you know, Chris, we've something you said about... It's almost that Yoda size matters not, you know, from Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> where we know that presence has nothing to do with how physically, you know, big or small you are. It's really about connection and being in the moment. And so I think, you know, what you've what you've really shown me is how to just, you know, you can be grounded and calm and then by then kind of turning on, you can be ready. And I, I'm, I'm taking that this becomes for those who practice it and. Um, get really good. It's this is a ritual that you can begin to incorporate whenever you go to speak, whenever you go for a key meeting. Is that is that right? 
You can do this before you have a meeting with a boss, with a phone call, with a client. This becomes, this is one of my favorite rituals to do because it calms me down and it allows me to re-expand. Uh, and I also think of this magic little word, I want to welcome people into my space. So when hmm. I expand, I'm also welcoming them in as if I'm inviting them over for dinner. And this allows me to open my heart and be more compassionate and kind mm -hmm. and caring to, with my audience. And this is a type of ritual that anyone can do. The first few times you do it, it can feel weird. Uh, after you do that, it can become second nature. It can become something you can do literally in 30 seconds. You can do one round of double in, double out, and expand yourself, and now you're present, now you're ready. Uh, I, I'm gonna boast and say I have about 100% success rate with this technique with my clients. <laughs> they love see it. why, it felt great. Yeah, and, and now you have this, and now the listeners have this. Mm -hmm. So this is a visual, if, you, if you're a performance-minded, Western thinker, this is a visualization technique that athletes can use to prepare mm -hmm. themselves. If you're the yogic type like myself, this is an energetic and awareness technique. This allows you to be your most authentic version of yourself in that moment. You're real, you're present, you're alive, and people can feel you. And then you can lead from your truest, most authentic, authentic place. I love it. I think, you know, what it does is it, it takes... Um all the learning that you did and the self-awareness and really that, but, and bring something very practical and very powerful that you can do um, to change your physiological reaction. I mean, we know from coaching people that there's always going to be stress and tension in leadership. It's kind of inherent in it, it's, but I think it's also why people gravitate towards it, right? The challenge. And so <laughs> being able to practice, you know, self-discipline and self-awareness to be present and experience, I can see how powerful that can be. So I appreciate you taking me and everyone listening through that. It's, it's a pleasure. It's something I really enjoy doing is helping clients, helping people understand that they can be the version of themselves they've always wanted to be. Hmm. And it starts with something as simple as developing a relationship with your breath, with your mind, helping being mindful instead of having your mind filled, understanding the beauty of connection of rituals, and understanding that uh, who, who we are is more than just something we're simply doing. We can find this deeper sense of peace and mm -hmm. this deeper sense of self. We can share it with others. And whether you find this by praying at your local church or synagogue or by doing yogic techniques and practices, if that allows you to be your most authentic self, your, your best version of yourself, you can share that with others. It is such a beautiful thing to behold and it makes you a better leader. Well, and congratulations to you for, you know, having that awareness that you weren't in an authentic place going on this journey. And now, now you are, you're, you know, you're doing the work with the Humphrey Group and also outside the Humphrey Group that allows you to take that passion around teaching people and fuse it with, with your knowledge. So uh, I give you um, all credit for having the courage to walk that path. Thank you, Bart, and thanks for this discussion and helping focus my ideas here as well. Uh, it was wonderful, and I truly hope that even this simplified version of the exercise can help uh, our listeners be the best version of themselves and better leaders. Absolutely, and look, Chris, I'm sure everyone here, everyone listening will want to work with you, but let's imagine people <laughs> want to get started now. What, what should they watch? What can they read? What do you recommend? And we can put links to any of this in the show notes, so 
And what do you think are good resources for people to begin their journey? <laughs> well, I would actually recommend instead of reading, I'd recommend doing. Hmm, the three okay. things I'd recommend doing. If you can, go to a Vipassana center if you have the 10 days. Maybe a fraction of a percent of people listening will actually have the ability to do that for 10 days. Again, in the after times once we're all vaccinated. Uh, for those who don't have that luxury, find a local yoga class and find a local yoga instructor that specializes in breathing techniques in pranayama. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid what we call the monkey yoga practitioners, the one that focus just on stretching and just on the physical aspects, who focus more on the energetic and the, the deeper aspects. Find mm -hmm. a slow meditative hatha yoga class. Or lastly, I would recommend that you sit down with a pen and paper, figure out what it is mm -hmm. that you like to do that makes you happy, it's bonus if it's, a, if it's a physical thing. And then break down the rituals you use to prepare for this. Because the lived experience that works for you is going to be more impactful than reading a book. Because otherwise, I would just mm -hmm. say, well, I could, I'll, I'll send you to the Yoga Sutras or to the <laughs> Upanishads, yogic texts. Or, uh, or Tantra Illuminated, which is a, a, this deep study into the self and energies. But uh, that would be my first thing, is do something, experience something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and to me, you know, having just experienced a short exercise, you feel the difference. And I think that is something that we should all consider in our leadership practice because it's, uh, it's invaluable. So, Chris, really appreciate you coming on and, and taking me through that breathing as well. Thank you. It was a lot of fun and uh, I, I hope it helps. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christopher Zabane, uh, one of our longtime consultants at the Humphrey Group. What I really appreciate about Chris is the life journey he's taken and how he's brought uh, those experiences to the work that he does with leaders in our firm. Uh, I certainly always learn a lot when I speak to him. And uh, he's great if you're the chance to take a program with him or coaching program. I know you'll, uh, you'll enjoy working with him too. So next time on the, the podcast, uh, I am really excited about the conversation I have. Joining me is the executive director of Black North. If you don't know Black North, it was started about a year ago here in Canada by Wes Hall, a former guest of the Inspire podcast, to tackle systemic racism in Canada uh, against, uh, black people. And the organization has done amazing work in the year to harness the energy of so many companies and, uh, the work is just beginning. So joining me is Dahabo Amanoma, and she shares her own journey of coming to this country at a young age, her own experience and, uh, taking the reins of black North to pursue this higher calling. So great conversation. And, uh, I encourage you to tune in. Until then, may all your conversations be inspiring.